Well, we've made it another week without being raptured. That's a good thing, or is that a bad thing? We don't know. Um, we want to thank you guys for coming out. We got a couple of announcements that you need to know. The first one: How many of you have a smartphone? How many have a smartphone? Look at look at all the smart people, <laughs> or distracted people. So, um, we have a new app for the mind. It's the YouVersion app. Um, how many have YouVersion? It's the Bible app. Perfect. So all you do is go to YouVersion. You slide o- slide over to Live Event. Click that. It'll ask you um, to type in what event. You're going to type in Cornerstone Chandler. When you do that, the mine will appear. Every Tuesday, we will have the mine up. You can click the mine. And what will happen on there is you will see the announcements. Um, you will see all the notes for tonight. Some review questions for last week. Just to see if we're tracking. Um, all the references um, will be there. There's poll questions, there's links to other sites and all that kind of fun stuff. So if this is you, you can actually follow the whole thing on your phone um, if you want, as well as those who are listening on podcasts. So that's a new option for you. So on that, let's look at the announcements for tonight. This is the last week of the mine for, the, for, for a little while, and here's why. Um, the mine follows and tracks with the Chandler School District. And so the Chandler School District over the next two weeks is off of school. So the mine will not be happening on Tuesday night. So we got two weeks off. And then we have a third week off because of Cornerstone Members Night, which is on Tuesday nights, just happens to fill right after our two-week break. So we have three straight Tuesdays off. And then we will pick back up. So that is October 1st and the 8th. We will not be here. And then October 15th is Members Night. So we will be here, but just not for the mine. What Members Night is, this is a great opportunity um, to come in. And Lynn will basically be talking about where Cornerstone is and where they're going. So it's got a little bit of the Revelation type thing. He's revealing a whole bunch of good news. And we're going to talk about the future. Um, in that would be building. We'll be able to say, uh, look at all the things that um, has happened within this year. So it's a great celebratory night to come out and just be together. So that's October 15th. And then the mine will fire right back up on the 22nd. All right. Also, tonight we have a handout. So if you didn't get a handout, just raise your hand and they'll, they'll walk those around to you. Also, the Facebook, the Mind Facebook has been fired back up again. So Mind Facebook is another great way to keep in touch. It's also a good way to ask questions that I didn't answer or that you might have for the upcoming passages. Um, so we're about halfway through Revelation, right before we get into our halftime three-week break, and then we are going to be firing back out on October 22nd. Over the next two weeks, um, it timed out perfectly. I'm going to be gone anyway because we're going to be taking two teams down to Jamaica. And this is not a vacation. This is our third our third mission emphasis at Cornerstone. We do um, India. We do um, Haruma in Kenya. And now we're going um, to Kenya or into um, Jamaica. This is uh, Montego Bay and then Kingston. And the whole idea of the Jamaica trip We're taking down two teams um, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's an evangelistic trip. We're going to be doing puppets and uh, dramas and music. We're going to be in front of school assemblies, in front of colleges, in front of um, on the street corners. So it's going to be quite a... Quite an amazing trip down there. So if you can be praying for the Jamaica team as they head down there over the next two weeks. And if Jamaica interests you, we go down there every fall during fall break. It is a a one-week trip, and it's a phenomenal way um, to get out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 8. And let's go ahead 
and begin a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this book of Revelation and this book that you have blessed us for even opening and reading. Um, Heavenly Father, I just pray that as we continue on through this, that you'll give us clarity of thought and um, that we will be focused in on the revealing of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, the again, just the opportunity to be here tonight. Um, we ask that you take away all distractions. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, so now we are in chapter 8. A couple weeks ago, we gave you a, a tribulation timeline, so we're, we're getting pretty close. Um, we are following along chapter by chapter, and as we said last week, Revelation doesn't necessarily go chronologically. It'll follow a certain theme, and then it will take a, a small break, and then it will go back and explain something. So last week was one of those first parenthesis moments, one of those small breaks, where we have, we went through the first six seal judgments that are in the tribulation. And then we took a break to talk about the, the great multitude in white robes and, and the 144,000 sealed, which actually happens at the beginning of tribulation. And so we took a moment, a break there, and now we're going to fly right back in to the seven seals. As we've mentioned before, on the tribulation timeline, on the back are the three sets of divine judgments. And we just want to make sure everybody understands that it's not 21 consecutive judgments. It's seven seal judgments. And within the seventh seal are the seven trumpet judgments. And within the seventh trumpet is the seven bowls or the vials, depending on your translation. Um, by the way, if you need a Bible, we do have some in back. And the reason why I say that is I left my Bible at home. And so I could do you version or I do what I did, went back and got one of the, the free Bibles back there. So let's go ahead and look at Revelation chapter 8 as we pick back up on the whole seal judgments. When he opened the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel, who had a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer, with the prayers of all of God's people, on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it onto the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Then the seven angels, who had the seven trumpets, prepared to sound them. Okay, so chapter 8 starts out a little bit different. We've gone through the six seals. Already, a fourth of all humanity is dead. Already the tribulation is horrific. It's a place that no human wants to be. If you look at the divine judgments that happened within the first six seals, you can see that this is a, a place that is full, filled with torment. A place longing for a leader. A place for at least a short time devoid of any Christians whatsoever. Last week we talked about the 144,000, the witnesses, the evangelists that would become sealed, that would turn their life over to Christ, whatever it was that triggered that. And over the course of the first three and a half years, along with the two witnesses, which we'll talk about um, in future chapters, we see 
over the first three and a half years, these witnesses are out there evangelizing the world, much like what's going to happen in Jamaica. This is happening on a worldwide scope for the first three and a half years during a time when no one really wants to be on earth. It's a horrible time. Tonight, we are starting to transition into the second three and a half years. The tribulation is a seven-year period, but there's a term called the Great Tribulation, which often refers to the last three and a half years. And if you look at the handout from tonight, you'll see within the last three and a half years, you have the seventh seal opening, which we just saw, and the seven trumpets going out. This was also referenced in Matthew chapter 24, 15 through 30. These seven trumpets are going to begin the end of all mankind. So let's look at the first couple verses here. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Now over the last couple of weeks, we've, we, we sort of took that little break and, and in chapter 4 and chapter 5, and then we see last week, there's a lot of worshiping going on in heaven. There's a lot of loud peals of hallelujah. People are worshiping at the top of their lungs. Angels are screaming. And now we have one of those moments where there's silence in heaven. What would that sound like? What would that be like? Oftentimes in the Bible when, when silence is mentioned, it's often a reverence. And so there is a giant reverence to God about what is about to happen now, whether it's a literal half an hour, we don't know. We can't be dogmatic. Some believe it's referring to the entire first half of the tribulation. Because the entire tribulation, seven years, is often referred to as the hour. And so some would think, well, the half hour must mean the first three and a half years. I'm not really following with that. For me, I would think it is a literal half an hour. But whatever that is, we have silence in heaven. And then look what happens. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. And seven trumpets were given to them. So we have seven angels coming out. And each of them had seven trumpets. And over the course... Of the next few chapters, we're going to see as each one of these trumpets is blown, the judgment that comes forth. And whenever a trumpet is blown, typically in um, the Old Testament, um, it means you need to pay attention. It's either calling the tribes or Israel to order, or it's about to announce something, or it's about to, to, to send people off into battle, or it's about to um, bring in judgment. We have seven angels lined up with seven different trumpets. Now, let's take a moment here. When was the last time we saw seven trumpets mentioned in the Bible? And think earthly here. Remember Jericho? Remember the seven priests who each held the seven trumpets? And they had to march around Jericho? If you look at these two, the image of what happens with Joshua and Jericho and the image that happens here in Revelation, it's actually strikingly familiar. In fact, some theologians believe that the whole incident with Joshua and Jericho um, is a foreshadowing of this passage as we're reading here today. In fact, the commander's names, one is Joshua, one is Jesus, which 
means Joshua. Joshua and Jesus are synonymous. Yeshua. We see seven trumpets. Seven trumpets in Revelation. The location of the trumpets before the ark, before the throne. The time of the invasion at the end of the seventh trumpet in both cases. The holders of the seven trumpets. In Joshua, it was the seven priests. Here, it's the seven angels. We remember from chapter 1, when the letters are written to the seven churches, who are they written to? The angels, or another word for that is messengers, or pastor, or priest. And so we have seven angels who are holding seven trumpets. And then another angel, so not one of the seven, another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it to the earth. So on the back of your handout, or the front, depending on which side you're looking at, we have a description of the earthly tabernacle. Now, I apologize for about eight of you. It's on Cornerstone letterhead. This is not an arrogant statement by Cornerstone, saying that we are in the Holy of Holies, but it was just an accident on my part. So we have the earthly tabernacle. And if you look, this is the earthly tabernacle that Moses would set up for Israel, that was set up. Throughout the Exodus, this is the same diagram that would be used in the temples that were built later. And you see on the far left, you got the Holy of Holies. And this is where the Ark of the Covenant was was placed, which had the mercy seat, which was symbolic of God's throne. The middle section was the holy place. And within that, you see the altar of incense. You see the the menorah, the seven candle, um, the the table of shoe bread. And then on the outer courtyard, you see the sea of bronze or the labor of bla- uh, the brazen laver. And then you have the altar of burnt offerings or the bronze altar, depending on what. So as we look at this earthly tabernacle, it draws our attention now to, wait a second. What we've been talking about in chapter 4 of Revelation, what we've been talking about in chapter 5, and even in the first verses here... It seems like heaven is set up very similar to this, or actually reverse. This was set up very similar to God's throne room in heaven. In Revelation, we've talked about the throne of God. We've talked about the sevenfold spirit, which would be very similar to the seven lamps. We talked about, um, or we're talking about tonight, the altar of incense. A couple chapters ago, we talked about, remember the glass sea that surrounded the throne? Very similar to the sea of bronze. And remember the altar where the martyrs cried out? Very similar to the altar of burnt offerings. And so as we look at this, We see another angel. Some believe this might be Jesus. I don't. But we see another angel taking a censer. Now what a censer is, 
is you've probably seen this um, depending on your background, but it's a golden sort of bowl or a pot or in some cases a fairly big box. and It's got chains on the top and they have um, coals inside and it's often burning incense and they're waving it around and filling the room with incense. And so back in the day, this is what the priest would do. He would take the hot coals from out here on the outer courtyard. He would take it from the altar of burnt offerings He would put it into the censer and he would walk it in and place it on the altar of incense. And the coals that were burning the animal sacrifices are now lighting up the incense and filling the entire tabernacle with this beautiful smoke. And the smoke represented the prayers of God's people. The prayers of God's people as it would escape out of the tabernacle. The Bible talks about how that's pleasing to God's smell. And so here we have an angel doing the same thing, the same ceremony that an earthly priest would perform. And he's taking these prayers, this censer that represents the prayers of God's people... And the smoke that went up before God from the angel's hand. And in verse 5, and then he took the censer, filled it with the fire from the altar, and then he hurled it to the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. So let's walk through the seven trumpets. Let's look at what each one of them represents for the tribulation. Most likely, again, we can't be dogmatic, but most likely all seven of these trumpet judgments are happening in the back half of the tribulation, the last three and a half years. And again, some of you are going, well, what about the two witnesses? Aren't We'll get to them. We're just following chapter-wise, but they actually happen in the first three and a half. So verse 7, the first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood. And it was hurled down on the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up. And a third of the trees was burned up. And all the grass was burned up. So we've got hail, fire, and a mixture. One third of all vegetation is destroyed. We're going to see a scene here to where each trumpet judgment, or at least the first four, are destroying a third of something. So the first trumpet judgment is destroying a third of all vegetation. Let's look at the second one. The second angel sounded his trumpet and something like a huge mountain. All ablaze was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea was turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of all ships were destroyed. So in the second judgment, the second trumpet... One-third of ocean life and ships are destroyed. Now, we look at this. What's thrown into the sea? Yell it out. Okay? It says a mountain, but it says, you need to pay attention to this, something like a mountain. So the angel didn't reach down, grab Everest, and go, bam! He didn't do that. Something like a mountain. Who wrote Revelation, and who is seeing this? John, 
What do you think he actually possibly saw? Probably, we can't be dogmatic, but probably some kind of asteroid or comet. Again, people in antiquity, when this was written, had never in their lives seen an asteroid. Because if they did, they were dead. So something that looked like a mountain all on fire, which a comet is basically a mountain from space. And when it gets into our atmosphere, it catches on fire and it hits. What would happen if a comet, even just a small comet, would go through and hit our oceans? It would be disaster beyond your wildest imagination. Disaster beyond your wildest imagination. In fact, at some point, go, go wiki or go research. I shouldn't have said wiki and research in the same sentence. Go, go look on the internet and research past asteroids that have hit. And you'll see some big ones, 1863. And just see how small some of these were and the damage they caused. And now imagine this, something that looks like a mountain hitting the ocean. Now, most asteroids are made up of basically iron oxide. When iron oxide hits the water, it'll dye it red. So whether this is John saying it looked like blood or this is a supernatural effect that it actually was blood, we do not know. But a third of all ocean life is destroyed and a third of all ships is destroyed. How many want to be on earth during this time? Gets worse. Verse 10. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky, and on a third of the rivers and the springs of water, the name of the star was Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had come bitter. So we have another seems to be an astrological sign that's happening. The third trumpet hits, and all one-third of fresh water is poisoned. We don't know what this is. There's not necessarily a description this time, like it looks like a mountain, but it seems to be another type of atmospheric outer space thing that comes in and hits the earth. This time it's going to affect the fresh drinking water. It's going to turn them bitter. Wormwood is a type of plant or bush that's found in the Middle East that is very bitter tasting. And if it mixes in with the water, it will make you sick. and The water becomes undrinkable, basically. We don't know exactly what this looks like, why it was called wormwood. Most likely it's because of the, the bitter uh, effect. There is a funny thing. Um, some people believe, and whether this is true or not, um, some believe that this might be an... Uh, an allusion to um, uh, nuclear warfare. It's possible. It's possible. Uh, nuclear holocaust would definitely uh, affect quite a bit of the water. We don't know um, if this is actually a nuclear war or whatever. One interesting thing, um, how, many, how many remember the whole Chernobyl incident? Okay. Um, they sort of fixed that issue, but sort of not. They put it in a temporary type um, um, a temporary type of fix that doesn't have a long life and the Chernobyl fix is already getting to the point where it's towards the end of its life. Just so you know, if, a, if something like Chernobyl happened and it was a full-on um, explosion, 
something like this would, would be possible. So I'm not saying it's Chernobyl, but something like that could be possible. Another weird thing, and please don't say I said this, um, and this is why I'm... Um, Chernobyl in, um, in Ukrainian, the word Chernobyl actually means wormwood. Take that for what you want. All right, so we go to the fourth trumpet. And where are we? Eight, twelve. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and the third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and a third of the night. So we look at this one. Again, another third. So we have a third of vegetation with number one, a third of ocean life with number two, a third of fresh water with number three, and now a third of the sun, moon, and stars are darkened on the fourth one. So what was created on the fourth day of creation is now by a third being reduced. How is this going to happen? Again, it could be supernatural. We don't know. But what we do know is it's probably not the cause of ash or something blocking the sun. The Bible seems to, to indicate it was actually a third of the sun. So whether this was a, a cornea hole or, or some kind of solar flare, something that darkens a third of the sun. And obviously if you darken a third of the sun, you're going to affect a third of the moon as well. We don't know. But the Bible indicates on the fourth, on the fourth trumpet, the judgment is a third of the sun um, will be darkened. And we notice that... Um, a third of the day. So we go from 24 to like a 16-hour type day. Don't really know how, how that happens. Um, there's a couple, couple possibilities. The one major one would be that the asteroid, if it is an asteroid that hits the Earth, would actually affect the rotation of the Earth. If the Earth, uh, if the Earth is, its rotation is affected, then obviously the length of the day would be affected, if that makes sense. Okay, so we don't know how, how God's going to do it, but according to the fourth trumpet, a third of the sun, moon, and stars are darkened. And then we look at verse 13. As I watched, so just picture John there, just standing or sitting or probably on his face looking this way. As he watched, I heard an eagle. Some of your translations would say angel that was flying in midair, call out in a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels. Well, I thought, I thought the first four were pretty bad. <laughs> Not to mention the first six seals. What's this woe stuff? It's going to get worse. In the Bible, the, the term woe brings about a, a sense of remorse, of deep pain, of deep angst. So the first four angels blow the first four horns, and, and it triggers off a third of vegetation, a third of ocean life, a third of fresh water, and a third of the, the sun, moon, and stars are completely destroyed. And now we get to the bad stuff. The fifth trumpet is found in chapter 9, verses 1 through 11. Let's just read through that. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. 
The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from the from it like smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down on earth and were given power like that of scorpions on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not allowed to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. Awesome. And the agony they suffered was like that of a sting of a scorpion when it strikes. During those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like a woman's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates, like breastplates of iron. And they sat, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stingers like scorpions. And in their tails, they had power to torment people for five months. They had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in the Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon. This is destroyer. The first woe is past. Two other woes are yet to come. So the first woe, trumpet number five. The abyss is open, and we have a demonic invasion. Okay, so the Bible talks about this star. Who do we think the star is? The star, and as, as we've seen in Revelation, a lot of times when a star is referenced, it's talking about an angel. Okay, it could talk about a good angel or a bad angel. Which kind of angel do you think this is? Bad one. And at the end of it, we see it's the leader. Who's the leader? Satan. So right here in chapter, chapter 9, we see our first reference of Satan and what he's going to be doing on the earth after he gets thrown out of heaven. Now we'll talk about when Satan gets thrown out of heaven in future weeks. This is not the moment. This is after he's already been thrown out of heaven. He has given the keys to the abyss. And by the way, some of you might go, whoa, whoa, wait, heaven? Yes, Satan has access to heaven. Satan has complete access to heaven. There will be a time in Revelation, right around the middle, where Satan will be cast to earth. He will no longer have that access in heaven. Now, what does Satan do in heaven? He's not drinking Coke with Jesus or anything like that. Okay? He's presenting to God lies and falsehoods about his people. He is making fun of the church. He's doing anything Satan can do to try to bring a bad light upon God 
and his followers. We saw back in the book of Job how Satan was in heaven and how he was saying, well, well, God, you haven't made Job's life bad enough yet. Let me go do that. So here we have Satan. He's already been thrown to earth and he's given the keys to open what? The abyss. Now, what's the abyss? Aside from a very cool striper song, the abyss is a place often referred to as the bottomless pit. It is a place where angels, demons, bad angels, have been locked up for years because of the sins that they did was so grievous. What angels are locked up, we don't know. It's a very good chance that the, the, the demons that were involved in the incidents in Genesis chapter 6 have been from that point on here. There's also references as Jesus is casting out demons of a person, the demons begging Jesus not to send him into the abyss. So instead he sends them into pigs, if you remember that story. So here's the abyss and Satan has the keys and he opens it and what comes out but a giant demonic evasion symbolized by locusts. Now, back in those days, if you saw a big invasion of locusts, it's basically just this big black column coming at you. As a farmer, you knew you were in trouble. You were about to lose most of your crops. Here we have a giant invasion of demons. And John is sitting here, bless his heart, trying to describe what these things look like. All I know is I don't want to be on earth to see it. Some people would say, well, if you read the, the description of these demons, it, it sounds an awful lot like an Apache or a Cobra helicopter. And they said, maybe this is just what John's seeing in a war and he just can't describe a helicopter because he didn't know what it looked like. And I guess there's a little bit of possibility in that, but I, I'm pretty sure this is, this is talking about literal invasion, not, not helicopters, but an actual demonic invasion. Now we get to the sixth trumpet, or the second woe. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet. And oh, before we get there, there's one other thing I, f I forgot. It's mentioned that these demons are going to be tormenting who? The unbelievers, those who have been saved, the 144,000 and everybody that have come to Christ because of them, are not allowed to be touched. However, those who are not are getting tormented so badly that what are they calling out for? What are they seeking? Death. Did you see the statement? Death eluded them. Now, if someone's honestly seeking death, what are they going to do? They're going to kill themselves, probably. They're going to find what they seek. But for whatever reason, for five months, and it actually gives us time, for five months, people are wanting to die and they cannot die. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how much of that, uh, of the supernatural is involved in that. But it's sounding like no matter what people do, they cannot die. 
They cannot escape this judgment. They cannot take the coward's way out. Sixth trumpet, second woe. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. Now, real quick, on the back here, we see the altars. We see the altar of burnt offerings that's in the tabernacle, and we also see the altar of incense. In the earthly tabernacle, on the four corners of these altars would be four horns. And they would sprinkle the blood of the animal on the four horns there. And then when they brought the coals in to put it on the, in, the altar of incense, they would also sprinkle blood on the four horns there. And this would symbolize that the payment was done. And so here we have the sixth angel sounded his trumpet. And I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that was before God. Now this is in heaven. It said... To the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed. Um, a third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for they for their tails were like that of snakes, having heads with, with which to inflict injury. The rest of mankind were not killed by these plagues, still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver and bronze, stone and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magical arts, and their sexual immorality and their thefts. So we got the final, or the, the sixth trumpet, because the seventh trumpet's going to open up the seven woes, or the seven bowls. So four chain angels are released, and a third of mankind is killed, and we have a 200 million demonic army. Okay, we can't be dogmatic on the demonic army. Maybe it could be a man-made army, I don't know. Uh, most likely a demonic army, unless these men are going to look awful weird. Uh, one third of mankind is killed. So that's on top of, remember back in the, the fourth seal, that one-fourth of all humanity dies. Now one-third that is still left after all these horrific judgments, they will now die. Who are the four angels? We don't know. Most likely they're not good angels because there's no reference in the history of the Bible of angels ever being bound or good angels ever being bound or chained up. So apparently there's been four demons that have been chained up and prepared for this day. And when they're released, they're going to be unleashed on the earth and one-third of mankind is killed. And a 200 million demonic army is unleashed. There's your first six trumpets. We are now getting to the very end of the tribulation. By the time the seventh trumpet or the final trumpet is blown, it's going to be right down towards the end. And God's going to unveil the seven bowls. 
And the seven bowls are just going to complete what the seven trumpets didn't. I mean, we're going ahead, but look, a third of all vegetation, a third of ocean life, a third of fresh water. Well, here, all the world's oceans dies. All the rivers are poisoned. Sun turns hot. So it keeps getting worse. So we've now arrived at basically the entire tribulation, the judgments that are listed there. We're going to get to the seven bowls when we come back, because that's the final piece. But before we get to that, the Bible takes another break. And it's going to go back and start explaining the two witnesses. It's going to go back and start explaining the whole idea of the mark of the beast. So the Bible is going to go back and fill in some of the gaps that weren't filled in on these chapters. And we will follow the Bible and do that very thing. But let's skip ahead to chapter 11, just so we can finish the seventh trumpet. Chapter 11, verse 15. Says the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, or of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for the judging of the dead and for the rewarding of your servants and prophets and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened and within the temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came... Flame or flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and an earthquake and a severe hailstorm. That is the seventh trumpet. So here is what we need to take out of this. Because again, there's a lot of confusing things, and some of it we can go, okay, that makes sense. I could see how a third would die if this happened. And a lot of times when we do that, we're trying to add our own science, our own understanding into the mix. Can I tell you that gets dangerous when dealing with supernatural things? It's okay to go back and try to figure out the 10, the 10 plagues in Egypt and go, well, that's probably because Mount Vesuvius blew up here and that caused this and all the frogs died and all that kind of... It's fun to do that and it's fun to try to get scientific explanations for this stuff. But the Bible and God doesn't need science to validate him. And there are some things that happen in the Bible that are supernatural, that don't make sense, that are out of the realm of natural. And so as we do this, and as we've just finished the seven trumpets, and all this craziness that happens, yes, some of it might be explainable. Yes, it makes sense that maybe an asteroid comes in. But here's, again, what we have to do. We have to come back and focus on the path and say, the book of Revelation is about the revealing of Jesus Christ. We believe the church was taken out at the beginning of the tribulation and the tribulation the 7 years is basically God doing two things. He's bringing Israel back into the fold and he is judging the nations of the earth. At the end of the tribulation Jesus will come back. And that's what we just read. Jesus is coming back. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, over the next couple weeks when we get back, we're going to fill in some other gaps. We're going to talk about who this, the Antichrist, we're going to talk about the mark of the beast, who the beast is, the false prophet. 
We're going to talk about the two witnesses. We're going to talk about the abomination that causes desolation. And so we'll fill in some of those gaps. And then after that, we will head into the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ and his church. And then we will conclude about talking about eternity in heaven. What a wonderful finish line heaven will be. And what a wonderful moment will be for us when we either breathe our last breath or, or we are removed from the earth and we are face to face with Jesus Christ. And so as Christians, we need to make sure we keep that focus. And of course, the mind, the whole idea of the mind is to, to, to get knowledge and to get understanding and all that. But that's good only if we now apply it to our lives and go. And if we know this stuff is coming, if we know that those apart from Jesus Christ will spend eternally separated from God, we have a mission to do. There is a reason why when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God didn't take us to heaven right away. Because there's one thing we can do on earth that we can't do in heaven, and that's tell people about Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you as we take this three-week break, and as Lynn said on Sunday, we're, we're going to be digging back into the Word do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Let's get out there and be the hands and feet of Jesus into the community. With our neighbors, with our schoolmates, our job, our families. I want to encourage you, tell people about Jesus Christ. And I know it's hard. It's hard. Tell people about your story. Your testimony is unique and special. No one else on earth has your testimony of how Jesus impacted your life. Tell that story. There are many opportunities at Cornerstone to go out and tell the world. You can go to a Jamaica. You can go to an India. You can go to Kenya. You can go down to Mexico. You can go. The trick is to go. To go. And so tonight we finish this. And, and again... It, it can get confusing. We'll try to answer a couple questions here. But again, I want to encourage you, stay focused on the whole meaning of Revelation, and that's the revealing of Jesus Christ. Let's pray, and then we'll answer a couple questions. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you, and we stand in awe of who you are. Heavenly Father, we're human beings. We have finite minds, and we, we can't comprehend everything that we read tonight. And that's fine because you're God. Heavenly Father, I just pray that if there's anyone in here that does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that maybe tonight's the night that they have that relationship, that they seek Jesus. And Heavenly Father, for those in here who do know you, Heavenly Father, I just pray that you give us the burden to go out and tell people about Jesus Christ. Tell people about our story, our testimony. Invite them to church or to a place where they will hear the good news. Heavenly Father, we thank you that someday there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow. But we will have an eternity not only with each other, but with you. We thank you that you have given us that second chance to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. 
We love you and we praise you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, we will take a couple questions if there are any, which there probably are. And then again, on the app, you can do that on iPad as well. You can just type in questions. You can type them on the Facebook. You can message however you want. And again, before we get to this question, remember, there is no mine next week. Okay? No mine next week, no mine the next week or the week after. Yep. Hi, I had a question about the uh, 200 million. Uh, you thought it might be demonic. And when I first got saved years ago, uh, there was a teaching that Mao, of Chi- uh, the Chinese leader, had bragged about he was going to have an army of 200 million men, the exact amount that was in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever heard that. or. Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, the, the, whole, the whole idea, whether that's demonic or man-made, we can't be dogmatic either way. I think the text leads us to believe it's a demonic army. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's for sure. I, I would be careful um, attaching names to it because we've had a thousand years of Antichrist and people and Hitler's this and all that. Um, but yeah, it, it's very possible that um, we do know the army's going to come out of the east. It, it, but um, I, I w- personally, I think it, it's a demonic army. Um, but yeah, it could very well. Um... Yep. Okay, I have two questions. Um... One is, one. How, how would you I'm sum kidding. up the seventh trumpet, just in a quick sentence? Um, really, really, really bad. No, the, the seventh trumpet? Um, the seventh trumpet is basically the seven bowls. So everything we see on the seven bowls, that is within the seventh trumpet. So I added on here, like the third woe, it's earthquake, and the seven bowls. So, every, so the earthquake sort of initiates... The final seven judgments, which you can read there, um, it's found in chapter 16. So the, the seventh seal, within that seal are the seven trumpets. Within the seventh trumpet, which would also be within the seventh seal, are the seven bulls. So there is really seven divine judgments that Jesus opens. And so tonight we talked about basically the seventh seal, which is the seventh trumpet. And then in a future week we'll talk about the seven bowls, which is within the seventh. Okay. Okay. And this is off topic, but just in case people don't know, tomorrow morning is um, see you at the poll to pray for the schools. Oh, yes. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So let me, let me tell you what see you at the poll is. And um, we used to do that. I used to be a youth pastor. I uh, used to be. I'm always a youth. They're always on my heart. But around the nation, students are going to be lining up at their poll in the morning to pray for their school, pray for their teachers, pray for their principals, pray for their, their local leaders and their governments and their churches. It is a phenomenal time. So if, you, if you're out driving around or you drop your kids off, take a look over at the flagpole and see how many kids are out there praying. What a powerful moment that is. And I know it used to be in the 90s, you'd have hundreds of people. And I know it's shrunk down quite a bit, but it's still a big national national thing. And, and if you have children, um, I would encourage them, head on out to the flagpole and, and pray for your, your school. So yeah, thank you for that. That's great. Yep. Cool. All right. So um, again, remember, Facebook is up. We've got, oh, did we get the last one in there? We got the last one? Nope, nope. All right. So Facebook is up. We've got the, the app. So make sure you hook onto that. When we come back, When we come back on October 22nd, bring a friend. And here's why. The last part of Revelation 
I'm going to be tapping into salvation nonstop. And so this is an opportunity, um, as we said, to go out and bring s- uh, someone to a place where they're going to hear the gospel. All right. Thank you guys for coming. Um, have a fun three weeks off. Bye-bye.